I want to talk about the glory of his presence. The glory of his presence. If you turn to Luke 19, verse number 12. And I won't be long. This is a pretty short one. And then we can set aside a little time for worship. Luke 19, verse number 12. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Somebody shout, Occupy. First Corinthians 10. First Corinthians 10, verse number 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Shout bear it. Okay, I'm going to add one to it, which she just read. Ephesians 6. Verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now shout stand. stand. Occupy. Occupy. Bear, it, Bear it. And stand. stand. This is the posture of the church right now in this current world. She made the statement that he's going to come for us when he's good and ready. But until the end, he's telling us to occupy, to bear it, and to stand. Psalm 91 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The shadow. God has a shadow. Psalm 23 and 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So there is a shadow of the Almighty, and then there is a shadow of death. It's two different shadows. God ordained for his spirit to be poured out during a time that we call grace. The grace dispensation. This period is between Pentecost and Perusia. Perusia meaning the catching away or the rapture of the church. This time of grace is very similar to the wilderness experience for the children of Israel, which was between Passover and the promised land. The journey that they took from Egypt to Jericho was really only a Sabbath day journey. What took them 40 years to get there? They ended up going in circles for 40 years because they would not trust God. They would not occupy, they would not bear it, and they would not stand. The promise was theirs. 
The ministry of the Spirit, which we dealt with, I believe, in our second or third retreat, is the most vital part of the saint's life. The Spirit was given to lead, to comfort, and to empower the church in this present time. While we know that it is the Spirit that will grant us entrance into God's throne room or into his kingdom with glorified bodies, either at death or by the rapture, the ministry of the Spirit is an earthly ministry. It is not a heavenly ministry. The ministry of the Spirit was given between Pentecost and Perusia. There is no need for the ministry of the Spirit after the rapture. You will be in his presence. Even though it's an earthly ministry, it is heavenly in its nature, though. Remember, the Holy Ghost came down from God out of heaven. So though we are his sons right now, and we are currently seated with him in heavenly places, we haven't seen him face to face, but we love him. We don't know what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. But as for right now, we see, we see through a glass, what? Darkly. We're seeing shadows. Remember, there's the shadow of the Almighty. There's the shadow of death. Now, shadows can be very intimidating because of the angle of light in relation to the object. Something that is very small has a tendency to cast a very big shadow. We see this in movies. It could be something as little as a kid. But because the light is shining so a certain angle, if you look down a hallway, you see this big intimidating shadow. It's a small figure. The object of it is tiny. Nothing that would scare you in a dark alley. But because of the way the light is shining on it, it becomes very intimidating. On the contrary, something that is very large can sometimes cast a very tiny shadow, especially if the light is hovering directly over it. It can cast no shadow at all. It is the primary duty of the Spirit to enable us to occupy, to bear, and to stand while we wait for him to return. Fear and doubt will nullify God's will for your life. However, an astonishing number of us fight with fear and doubt all the time. And like the children of Israel, we still fear and doubt no matter how miraculous God just acted on our behalf. He could have just healed your body. Could have saved your life. And sometimes we would turn around less than a week later, sometimes a day, and still fear and doubt. It's the shadow of death. It's not really death, but it's just the shadow of death. It looks like death. It smells like death. It seems like death. It feels like death. It really isn't death. It's a shadow. As Bishop Young said, it's an optical illusion. Worry is the first thing mentioned among the seed which fell among the thorns. The word is choked and becomes unfruitful in our hearts. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The powerful word of God didn't profit the children of Israel because it wasn't mixed with faith. 
You can hear all the word. I don't care how prolific the preacher is. But if you don't mix it with faith, the word is dead to you. It will not perform for you. It will not produce results for you because you lack faith. The Bible says that whatever is not of faith is sin. So if I don't have faith, and you don't have faith if you're in fear and doubt, the two cannot coexist together. You cannot have confidence and faith in God and fear at the same time. The Bible says that Jesus knew no sin. In him was no darkness at all. So if I'm operating in fear and doubt, then I'm not operating in him. I'm in sin because whatever faith is not a faith is sin. The Bible says we are justified by faith. It is this type of faith, justification, where in Romans we read, who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? She talked about the devil being the accuser of the brethren. When you have faith, you take that name away from him because he can't accuse you because you have faith. It will shut the mouth of the gainsayers and the naysayers. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. And if God justifies you, then no weapon formed against you will be able to prosper. Because you're in the shadow of the Almighty. Abraham was justified by faith before circumcision. A lot of people think that it was the circumcision that saved. This is why Jesus kept telling them, I'm not interested in your fleshly circumcision. I'm after your heart. This is why Abraham was justified before circumcision. This is why he wants us to be called the children of Abraham, not by circumcision of the flesh but by circumcision of the heart first peter 5 says humble yourselves therefore under god's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time exalt you cast all your care all your anxiety on him because he cares for you now this is something that is hard for a lot of saints to grasp that God really is caring for me. He really is interested in my cause. He really is infatuated with me. Because we have taught in the, in, the, in the church for so long how unworthy we are. When the Bible never told us we were unworthy. Sinners, yes. But unworthy, no. How unworthy do you think you would be to be made in his image. Do you think that he would make something in his image and then call it worthless? So we are now defeating our own selves with our own mouths. And those words take on life. They are spirit. And we live our lives feeling unworthy of God's love instead of saying, I know that God loves me because I'm made in his image. It's like the husband and wife. The Bible says no man hates his own flesh. For God to hate me, he would have to hate himself because I'm made in his image. 
So he brings in casting all of our anxiety on him. The reason why men are not humble, he says, humble yourselves. The reason why people are not humble is because they do not see the greatness of God. We cannot be exalted without first humbling ourselves. We've heard the slogan so many times, the way up is the way down. The way down is the way up. What does that mean? <laughs> Listen here. He will not lift us up with our burdens on our shoulders. He is waiting for you to cast the burden down. If he were to lift you up with your burden, guess what? The burden gets high as you get high. There is no change. I'm lifted up, but so is my burden. So once the burden is cast down, then he can lift you up. Because the burden is now at his feet, and we've just risen above the adversary, above our enemies. Now the question is, how do we cast our cares on Jesus? We say it. We, we, we tell folk all the time, you just need to give that to Jesus. <laughs> Knowing good and well, you didn't give your last burden to Jesus. How do we cast our cares on him? How can we be, as the Bible says, when he says, be anxious, be careful for nothing. How do we get there when, when I'm prone to worry? It's just natural for me to own this problem. Let's get Philippians 4. Whose shadow are you under? Is it the almighty or is it death? Verse number six says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So the, the way that I get the burdens off, the way that I, I, I release it to him is in prayer and supplication. My alone time with him. Now, prayer is not supposed to be a group thing. It's okay for us to come in and we seek God's will together. But the Bible says that when you pray, go into your closet. That's your alone time. Now, we learned at the last retreat, we asked the question, do you have time for change? It was not until Jacob sent his family, his servants, his cattle, across the Jordan, and the minute he got rid of them, the angel met him and wrestled with him. And he wrestled to the morning, and his name was changed. The meaning of his life was changed. The being that he was, his spirit, was transformed because he took time to get along with God. I might... Now, I want to ask the question, when is the last time you got along with God and had a season of worship? Not just yelled out, thank you, or hallelujah. I mean, got down and just gave it up by yourself. Didn't wait for the praise leader. Didn't wait for the pastor. Didn't wait for the organ or the drummer. But by yourself. 
See, there's something about the presence of God where you've got to know when you're in it. You've got to know that you know that you know that he's there. Because if you don't know that he's there, you're not going to walk like he's there. Then here comes the fear and doubt. This is how we're going to occupy until he comes. He has invested something in you. He gave these servants something to invest and told them, occupy until I get there. Now, that word occupy actually means to trade. It means there's an exchange going on. It doesn't mean just waste of time doing something. You know, we say, so, find anything to do in the house of God. Just, just get busy for the Lord. What, doing what? You got to find what God is calling you to do. Because when he called you, he called everybody that was connected to you. Past, present, and future. And we don't want to mess that up by trying to do what somebody else does. So occupy means there's an exchange happening. It's trade. Something's going and something's coming. As this goes out, this comes in. We often think that when trouble comes, we have to summons God to help. Talking about his presence. That is because the devil has deceived us into thinking that God has left us. How many of you ever felt that God had left you? Honestly. Been in that situation. It is deception. It is the shadow of death is because the devil shined a certain light upon your situation and made it look so huge when it was this tiny. God cannot leave you. We don't get that. It is impossible for him to leave you. Why is it impossible? Because he said it himself. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, if we could take that and study that scripture for the rest of our lives, we might believe it by the time we're out of here. He cannot leave you. He is, as he has always been, bound to his word. Can't leave us nor forsake us. Proverbs 12 and 25 says, Anxious hearts are very heavy, but a word of encouragement does wonders. So let's look at some words of encouragement. Psalm 46 and 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now remember now, the devil wants you to think that you are isolated, separated, abandoned by God. But the psalmist said he's a very present help. He's not just help, but he's present. He doesn't send help. He's already there. Don't need to really call out to him, really. He's only a, a prayer, a praise, a breath, a step away. 
Psalm 61 and 2 says, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. Lead me to the rock. Now, there is a rock. We read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13. But if you start at verse number 1, you will st- you'll find out that Paul is talking about the children of Israel. And he says they were all baptized under the cloud and in the sea. And they all had the same spiritual meat and drink. And they had all the same rock. And the rock did what? Do we need to get it? Let's get it. First Corinthians. I want y'all to understand this. Because the devil tries to intimidate. And what did it do? It followed them. The rock had mobility. That means wherever they went, the rock went. Wherever you go, Jesus goes. Now, I fear some of us where we take them because he can't leave us. Some of us take them, and it's beyond the sins of the flesh. Some of us have taken the omniscient God into doubting. We've taken him into fear when he has all power. The spirit is subject to the prophet. God can't work his miracles without your faith. He has the power to work them. And he has the power to heal. But so many times he said, be it unto you as your faith. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has healed you. Your faith, your faith, your faith. If you don't have faith, you limit the all-powerful God. You tie his hands. Acts 17 says, God that made the world. And all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, he does not dwell in temples made with hands. Yet we call the building the house of the Lord. That's Acts 17 and 24. He is Lord of heaven and earth and does not dwell in temples made with hands. Yet we call buildings the house of God. Neither is worship with man's hands as though he needed anything. Sometimes you got to read slow. Seeing that he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. Not only that, but has determined the times that were before appointed. Every time in your life has been appointed by God. And the bounds of the habitation. We walk in divine appointment and limitations. Every day. That they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him. Though he be not far from every one of us. It's the optical illusion that he's far 
And we think that we have to feel after him, but we find out that the first praise that comes out of our lips, God comes to our rescue. He was never far. He was just waiting for you to say something. They say on the street, holla at your boy. <laughs> say something. Now, in the psalmist's day, they went to the temple to worship. And he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the what? House. House of the Lord. And we sing it on Sunday morning, Sunday night. But there is no more house of the Lord made by hands. The last house of the Lord made by hands was destroyed in 70 A.D. Now, the Lord wasn't there when the house came down because the Bible says that when Jesus gave up the ghost, the Bible says that the curtain that was in the most holy place was rent from top to bottom. That's where he dwelt. When he ripped the curtain, he came out of the temple. He came out of the temple to get into your temple. So we are the house of the Lord. I am his tabernacle. This is how idolatry set up. We start to worship the building. There's a book on the market called Pagan Christianity. Pagan Christianity goes back and finds out, because the writer always went to Christian churches, and most Christian churches say, we do everything by the book. We do everything by the Bible. Then he went and studied and found out in history we were not doing everything by the Bible. Altar calls were, didn't even come into existence until the eight, late 1800s. There was never an altar call. The people gave the altar call. When their hearts were convicted, God either filled them with the Holy Ghost or they said, shut up, preacher. I want to be saved. He talks about how they worship the sun god. Constantine, the early church father, is the one who kind of started changing the order of service. And he took it out of the small setting and the living room setting where folks were, were in communion with one another. And they said it and they faced all the cheers one way. So now we're no longer talking to our neighbor and ministering to one another. But now there's only one person in the building who has everybody's answer. This is not to say that we are not to come together and hear God's word. God definitely has prophets and teachers and evangelists. But the thing is, the body of Christ is the body of Christ. Don't let the devil take away your power to minister. All of us are ministers and ambassadors of Christ. He's no respecter of person. There are different offices, but ministry is to happen every day in your life. That's the trade he wants. This is the occupying that he's calling for. And we let so much slip because we want to just come and get and get and get and get. And there's never any giving out. One of my brothers said we're like sponges. It soaks up a lot but won't give nothing back unless it's squeezed. Spiritual sponges. 
and all the ministering takes place within four walls. Well, in the church, in the first century church, as they went, Paul was just walking, saw a group of women getting ready to pray. <laughs> Do you know Jesus? Now, we didn't have to take them back to the temple, get the baptismal pool ready. We're going to baptize you right here, right now. So I take somebody out in that little lake on the golf course and take them down. There's a tub in here that's deep enough to, to submerge you. The first century, the saints baptized. All right. Next. We're the house of the Lord, the kingdom of God has righteousness, joy, and peace, is within the spirit-filled believer. God is not far from all of us. He is Jehovah Shammah. He is ever-present. The Ark of the Covenant had several things in it. Number one, it had the mercy seat. Number two, it had the Ten Commandments. Number three, it had Aaron's butted rod, and it had the manna from heaven. All of these things should be resident in your soul. The mercy seat. The Bible says, pray in the Holy Ghost, and not only that, but look for the mercy of God. And it shouldn't be hard to find because the, the writer said that his mercy is renewed every morning. So if you lost it yesterday, don't worry. He's going to have it there right by your bed when you get up the next day. Whole nother mercy, whole new day. The Ten Commandments represented the word of God. The word of God has to be in your soul if you're going to stand, if you're going to bear, and if you're going to occupy. The word of God can't be replaced by anything else. You can't substitute it. Sometimes we try to substitute it because we don't like what it's saying to us. Aaron's butted rod represented the miracle of God. He used that rod to say that if whosoever rod is budding, that's the man I'm going to be with. Then he had the manna from heaven, which represents the provision of God. It is a sad thing for us to call ourselves children of God, God's highly favored. Sometimes we even go so far as to say, children of the most high God. And we don't have the mercy. We don't display that we know the word. We don't have the provision of God. And we're not walking in the miracles of God. Not only that, but they had the cloud and the pillar, the divine direction of God. And then they had the rock. Now, he says, when my heart is overwhelmed, again, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. First Peter says, how does God show his love and care for us when we give our cares to him? I believe that he performs four wonderful ministries on our behalf. All right. First Peter five and five and seven. I'm not going to read that for the time. Number one, he gives us the courage. This is how he shows that he cares. He gives us courage to face our cares honestly and not run away from the truth. Isaiah 41 and 10. 
Now remember that now the, the Holy Ghost, he said, will lead and guide you into all truth. We talked about that before. Not just the truth, but all truth. So along with that comes relative truth. Not only is he the truth, but he wants to expose your truth. Who are you really? Jacob said, will you please bless me? He said, I can't bless you until you tell me who you are. And when he said, my name is Jacob, he was really saying, I fight against everybody. All my life I've been fighting. He gives you courage to face yourself. I believe that the reason a lot of folk in the church are so judgmental is because they just won't face themselves. So they have to find somebody else to criticize. I'm not going to criticize myself. Number two, he gives us the wisdom to understand the situation. James 1 and 5. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, Lord, what is going on in my life? If you stop asking what's going on in that individual's life and ask him what's going on with your life, he'll answer you. He won't answer you with the other individual because it ain't your business. Number three, he gives us strength to do what we must do. Philippians 4 and 13. And number four, he gives us the faith to trust him to do the rest. And that's found in Psalm 37 and 5. The occupying. Isaiah 61. Occupy, bear, and stand. Psalm 61 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Do you know that this ministry that he had was shifted to you? Because he said, as the father sent me, now I'm sending you. That means he transferred this same anointing in Isaiah 61. Now you are the ones who are to minister and to loose folk who are stuck in sin and bondage and in deception. Verse number two, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. Here it is. To give unto them, instead of mourning, Beauty for ashes. That's the occupying. That's the trade-off. I once was a mourner, but now I have beauty for ashes. Another trade-off. The oil of joy for mourning. I have joy. Remember now, we see through a glass darkly. Even though we see through a glass darkly, 2 Corinthians 3 and 17 says, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He said, but there, we're only seen through a glass darkly, but we're changed into the image that we see, even though we can barely get a glimpse of it. That is the power of the Holy Ghost. Even though you could barely see his holiness, even though you could barely see him in his pure essence, the Bible says he's changing you into that same glory from glory to glory and day by day. 
2 Corinthians chapter 3. Glory to glory. Don't get stuck on the new birth glory. There's another glory after the new birth. There's a whole lot of stuff you got to add to your faith. He said, if you don't add these things, you're, you're, you're blind and you can't see afar off. And the body of Christ has perfect vision. If you get stuck on one glory, you will never reach your destination of the final glory. It took Jacob a long time to become Israel. But he had to take it step by step. And if you stay stuck in one spot because that's the part that you know the best, that's the part you're able to quote the best, <laughs> there must be growth. There must be progress. You can't be a baby forever. There comes a time where even every kid stops being fed and learns how to feed themselves. They learn how to get into the word themselves. It's very simple. Paul said there's a simplicity to the gospel. It's not real difficult to understand. All right, where were we? Next trade-off. Oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And tomorrow I'm going to talk about the planting of the Lord, the vine and the branches. If your heart is overwhelmed, the rock has followed you to where you are. Tonight, wherever you find yourself, whatever deliverance you need, whatever comfort you need from God, whatever revelation you need, something you need to understand, some wisdom from God, the rock has followed you to where you are. But he doesn't want you to fight with the rock. Don't spite the rock. Don't yell at the rock. Simply speak. To, now, now, here's the chance now where we get to pick up where Moses left off. We don't want to miss his coming back. In our occupying, we are to speak to the rock. This is why we put worship out there so much. Because worship is something that a lot of folk have lost in Christianity. We got so much music going on. I love music. But we have depended on that in order to make a connection. There's only one mediator between God and man, and it is not gospel music. The mediator is not your mother or your father. The mediator is, is, is not the ministry. The mediator is not the pastor or the bishop. The mediator is not the deacon or the mother of the church. The mediator is Christ. And he's been waiting for you to come to him and stop going to everybody else so that he could really reveal himself to you. So stop where you are and speak to the rock. The rock has followed you. The good thing about the rock following, along with mercy and grace, is that if the shepherd is leading me and I get off track from following him, he's got a three backup system behind me. It's called mercy, grace, and the rock. They're going to follow me no matter where I go. Even if I leave off from following him, they're still going to follow me. 
but I don't have to send for the rock. All I got to do is simply turn around and speak to it. If it follow you, that means it's behind you. That means you got to turn around. That means you got to repent. That's why you have to turn around and face the rock. My parents taught me that it is, it's rude to talk somebody and not look them in their face. Turn around and look at the rock and talk to him. He'll tell you who he is. He'll tell you what he wants. He'll tell you where you went wrong. I'm finished. <laughs> don't get intimidated by the wrong shadow know which shadow you're supposed to be up under know which shadow is supposed to influence you You got to know that he's with you. Elijah and Elisha got in a battle one day. And Elijah knew that God was with him, but Elisha didn't know it. Elisha had fear. Elijah had to look over, and he saw the young man's fear. And he said a simple prayer. Lord, open the young man's eyes. And when God opened his eyes, he saw angels all across the mountains. You got to know. Elijah was ready to battle. Two against however many it was. But Elisha had fear because he didn't know him for himself. Do you know him? Not just that his name is Jesus. Do you know him? To know him, you got to walk with him. You got to live with him every day. Let's stand. My Lord. These retreats are designed. They're called thirsty retreats. They're called worship retreats. We try to get the mind of God in order to take us to a level to where our thirst will be quenched. Where we get to the place where there, there, there's more of you, more of you that I want to know. You should never be content where you are as long as you're on this earth. There's always another glory to be revealed in your life. And if you don't know it, ask him to show it to you, and he'll take you to the next level. The next miracle, the next deliverance. Don't think that we know all of what God is. You have only just seen a shadow. name of the enemy that you need to take tonight.
took another name. If he's been accusing you, if he's been lying to you, if he's come to you and deceived you as an angel of light, and you thought it was a saint, but all behind it, the devil has been working, and you wonder, what is going on in my life? A lot of folk come to church. Do you know that some folk, the devil is using a lot of folk in church. It's the angel of light. It's Satan though. Lord grant us wisdom to deal with that. Help us to not fight for the victory but to fight from victory help us to know who we are to worship you. Hallelujah. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. perception Lord give us divine perception Speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. Now offer him the fruit of your lips.
Jesus. care cast it on him loose the anxiety really give it to him holy 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 
Ah, glory. Yeah, it's one on one. Give it to him, one on one. Yes, Lord, grant total deliverance. Hallelujah. Oh, I want to see you. Oh, hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. 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 Hall
So 